Hey guys, your favourite podcast is just seconds away, but what if you could listen to it without worrying about using data? Got an offer for you right now. Uh, if you go to ilovedata.com.au, you're going to get 50 gigs of data for only $59.95 a month. There's no contracts. There's no catches. It's ilovedata.com.au. Open that up on your browser now, and let's get into the podcast. Okay, there we go. Feedback. This is Ugly Phil. What are you waiting for? Do it! Triple M. Do you know, I've realised we haven't had a disease of the day for a while. Yeah. And the thing about diseases is, you know, like this, I guess there's not a lot of humour in a lot of them. And something else I found out, a lot of diseases named after people or viruses and things like that. So the other day I found out that the JC virus was named after, and I may have his name wrong, I hope I haven't, but John Cunningham, I'm led to believe. Then you've got your Garrick's disease, named after the famous Garrick as well. And I thought maybe it'd be cool for them to name a disease after me. That would be cool. I mean, I've wanted something named after me, so if it has to be a disease, I'd be happy with that. Because, I mean, you can imagine the fear if you go to the doctor and the doctor says, well, you've got ugly feels. You're like, whoa, that can only be bad. What are you suffering from? Uglies. Woo! Woo! You anyway, would not want to get that. You want to get uglies, Woo! man. Hey, forget crabs. You know, you got uglies. You ain't going, you ain't leaving the house for two months without a water-based cream. Anyway, so I uh, couldn't think of uh, a disease of the day, so I made one up. Oh, okay. So I've made up a disease called questionnaires, okay? Oh, right. <laughs> okay. Disease of the day. How will you catch yours? Good evening. Can I help you? Oh, yes. Hello. I'm just wondering if you can help me. Um, I suffer from uh, questionnaires. Are you familiar with it? So what was it again? It's called questionnaires. Do you know anything about it? Questionnaires. And my doctor gave me some medication, um, and I'm unable to locate the actual prescription. Do you know what I'd need for that? No. So, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of... Uh... Uh, are you familiar with it at all? Well, I'm sort of familiar with some of those things. Right. Do you know what kind of prescription or medication I'd need? The doctor could probably give you a variety of different ones. Right. Would I need to go back to the doctor? Absolutely. So I couldn't just pop in there and just pick up any type of medication for it then? No. Uh, whereabouts are you? We're in the city. Right. What time are you open till? Nine o'clock. Uh, so that's like nine o'clock tonight? Yeah. So I could pop down there now? What for? Perhaps you could help me? So you have a prescription? Can I get it without a prescription? No, I said you couldn't. You had to see your doctor. So it's best I go back to my doctor then? Actually, I'm, to be honest, I'm quite surprised how long that lasted. I just can't get out of my bed. He's got a face like the Ebola virus. I just can't get him out of my head. Ugly Phil is on my wireless every day on the radio. So we're just a few hours away until the new Metallica album Hardwired to Self-Destruct is finally released. Yep. Ahead of the much-anticipated release, the band have performed their classic song Enter Sandman, but with a twist. What's that then? So they're on the Jimmy Fallon show right. with the house band... Was the twist that Jimmy was sober? <laughs> so he didn't fall over and hurt himself? 
Gonna have to have stitches in his finger. Yeah. No, he joined House Band The Roots and they did the cover of, or the version, I should say, of Enter Sandman. Right. But they used children's instruments. Oh, like the kazoo, like the Dandy Warhols did when they did that live performance. Not quite. So you've got James Hetfield using a flute. There's one time at flute school, Metallica on Jimmy Fallon doing Enter Sandman. Fantastic. Are we allowed to put that on our Facebook page? Yeah, it's on the Triple M page. Can you put it on our Facebook? Yeah, sure, put it on now. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Jeff's on the phone, he's in America. It's a ridiculous website of the day because Jeff spent, I think, about 12 months travelling around America looking for typos so he could put together the website, uh, website, the typo hunt, which is our ridiculous website of the day. The ridiculous website of the day. The ridiculous website of the day. Congratulations on having the ridiculous website of the day. What was the first thing that inspired you to do this? Well, I had wanted to make some sort of positive difference in the world, and I really had to figure out first, well, what can I bring to the table? And it really came to me that I could go after typos as a way to better the world when I saw a sign in my neighborhood in Somerville, Massachusetts, a no trespassing sign, but they'd thrown an extra S in there, so it was T-R-E-S-S, and I thought, well, you know, I could fix this typo, I could fix typos uh, everywhere I go, and uh, I should make this a national campaign. How long did it go for? It was about two and a half months, did a a whole perimeter around the U.S., traveled clockwise from the Boston area, and just uh, kept going around in 12,000 miles. And how many did you find in that time? The grand total of 437 typos. We were able to correct uh, a little over half of those. When you say correct, what did you do? Uh, Well, I carried around a typo correction kit that had some markers and correction fluid and dry erase markers and chalk and crayons. Basically, everything you can imagine to handle typos in different mediums. So uh, when I'd find a typo, I would figure out whoever was in charge of the sign and ask, uh, very politely, of course, if, uh, if I could help them fix the sign. I think people may have taken this as a bit of an insult that they couldn't spell. Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be um, some people who get defensive when you point out any kind of, uh, you know, mistake. There was only one time when it uh, came close to physical violence. That was in uh, Canada, of all places. We, really? we, stopped, uh, we stopped briefly up on the Canadian side of Niagara Falls trying to wipe out an apostrophe in the word palm reading so it didn't need to be there was just before the S and these two thugs rolled up in a car and they're like what are you doing? And we said, oh we're just uh, <laughs> we're just wiping out this apostrophe and they told us to keep walking or they made sure that uh, we couldn't walk again. Looks like we've got us a reader. <laughs> I think your next thing should be you should go around the world perhaps Rome and find the statues and see which one of those naked statues has the biggest penis. <laughs> Good to talk to you man. Typo hunt. That's our ridiculous website of the day. You're listening to the Rubber Room Podcast. You can listen to us weeknights, 7 to 10 p.m. on Triple M.
But I'll eat anything. I really love honey balls, especially the honey. Really? I could just suck those balls for hours. Mm. These guys ate an entire globe. It's Jimmy Eat World in the Rubber Room. We hope you guys have an awesome day. Stay safe. Thanks a lot. Singing every song I see you. There's a whole bunch of crazy motherfuckers over there. Hey Jim, how are you? Hey, how's it going? Good man, we've been trying to touch base for about a week and a half now, so it's nice to finally get you on the phone. Yeah, sorry about that man, it's just kind of, sometimes the call times fall through the cracks. Well congratulations on the ninth album, I know the subject matter is deeper, uh, can I read anything into the title of the album? You know, there's a lot of nuances to it, but I think the song Integrity Blues kind of hints at some of the more overreaching themes of the record. The best that any of us have at any given moment is that we're all just in a state of progress. Coming to acceptance with that is, you know, I can feel like lonely work sometimes. I really like what you've done with the latest single. I think it's excellent. Oh, thank you so much. When I first heard it, it reminded me of early R.E.M., especially the guitar part anyway. You know, R.E.M. is uh, one of the greats. With Get Right, that was called a comeback track. Did you see it that way? In the sense that uh, we haven't put anything out for three years and we had to come back with something. You know, it's a guitar-driven rock song. That's definitely an element that's a big part of what we do. There's a 14-year-old kid who loves heavy metal inside of each of us, I think. So it's nice to kind of get some of that out. Now, where are you at the moment? I have it that you're somewhere between Utah and perhaps Denver, Colorado. Is that right? Right now, I'm in the desert of Arizona. This is after the Las Vegas gig. Are you driving somewhere? It's uh, Arizona fall right now, which means it's, it's 73 Fahrenheit, and it's beautiful. This is why we live here. The only thing I know about Arizona is the Nicolas Cage movie, Raising Arizona. Yeah, yeah, this part of town where that's still kind of an accurate depiction, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> You've got this one coming up with Blink-182 um, and also Pierce the Veil as well. That's going to be a great show. You know, we're really excited to get back out and play new songs, and we've been doing some festivals. It's just an exciting time. Awesome. Appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah, thank you very much. See Jimmy Eat World next year, January 18 in Sydney at the Enmore Theatre, the 20th at the Australian Open Live Stage in Melbourne, and the 22nd at the Eaton Seal Hotel in Brisbane for Jimmy Eat World. Guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. We did mention at the start of the show that we've been handed an incredible deal from Ovo Mobile. So if you switch to Ovo Data Sim, you're going to get 50 gig for $59.95 on 4G. And this is going to change how you enjoy listening to music, video, sport, all the stuff you do on your mobile device with nothing more than a new sim. And get this just for you for listening right now. Ovo will give you the first month at half price. Let's do some math. Let's work that out. A whole month to enjoy 50 gig on 4G for just $29.95, then $59.95 after that. So there's no contract and Ovo will instantly upgrade your plan to any better offers they release as part of their more for fans promise. And with 50 gig, you can afford to catch up with us more often. Open your browser now and get on at ilovedata.com.au. 50 gig for $59.95 on 4G and then half price for the first month. I love data.com.au. Now let's get back to the show. Guys, this is the kind of thing I'm doing at the moment. I don't know if you know, but I've, uh, lately, I don't know if you've know, I've been throwing a bit of my comedy stuff out under the wireless. I hadn't noticed. Hadn't you? Oh, really? No. I, okay. And I was thinking of fine honing some of my skills because this isn't all I do, you know. I mean, sure, this is my daily GIG, but I'm thinking perhaps of branching out and doing a bit of stand up comedy. Oh. Yeah. All I need is an agent. Oh, I think I found one. 
I'm trying to find an agent because uh, I do a bit of stand-up comedy. I haven't found the right guy that can represent me and take me to the top. I look after a lot of bands and rock and roll. Oh, brilliant. Can I just show you a couple of my things and then you can tell me whether or not, you know, you can take me to the top? What do you want to do? Just give you a bit of my act. Oh, okay. Okay, all right, I've got my drum. Hang on. I use this, I use my drum to emphasise my act. What's the best way to carve wood? Whittle by whittle. Yep, go on. How does the man in the moon cut his hair? Eclipse it. Bit more? Uh, yeah. What kind of flower is on your face? Tulips. Okay. What? Hey, listen, you love this. What do sharks say when something radical happens? Jawsome. Yeah, okay. Uh, why didn't the melons get married? I have no idea. Because they cantaloupe. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, I stand up with my drum, I tell a few jokes, uh, I, you know, what side of a cheetah has the most spots? The outside. Sometimes I leave that sort of gap so that, you know, people are sort of draw the crowd in. It's a bit of a show business thing, as you know. Okay, great. I'd like to be a bit like Rove. Yep. Did you hear about uh, the red ship and the blue ship that collided? No. Both of them were marooned. Thank <laughs> <Are> you! <laughs> Gets no, a laugh every time. It's really corny stuff. What? Ah. Friday, Cold Chisel release the next volume of their ongoing live tape series, live at the Manly Vale Hotel in 1980. We've got Jimmy Barnes on the phone to talk about this and to talk about the book as well. Only the greatest living Australian ever in the rubber room. Now they're calling time for question time On the air at Triple M And Jimmy's on the rubber room this evening And Phil will ask some questions That Jimmy may not want to hear Four walls, two microphones Jimmy Barnes. Hello. Jimmy. Hi, Phil. How you going, mate? Good, mate. How are you? You well? I'm ridiculously well. <laughs> hey, you know, I'm so glad I've been able to get hold of you because I've been trying to chase you for the chat about the book and everything, and unfortunately yep. I couldn't get hold of you, so I've had to improvise. That's okay, mate. We can do this. In the absence of me actually having a Jimmy Barnes, the improvisation yeah. went a little bit like this. Hey, Jimmy, it's ugly. How are you? Jimmy, how are you, mate? Yeah, good, buddy. you got the spoken <laughs> word tour thing tonight. No, it's not that. Get a little spoken word, mate. How can I get some more than That sounds like Billy Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> how legitimising to have the number one book for the third week in a row. You know what? It's, it's really great. I mean, I'm so glad that, you know, so many people have, you know, have connected with the book. But at the same time, it makes me a little sad because it's, the book is very dark. There's a lot of people out there who can relate to it. You know, there's a lot of people who have been through the same stuff or are going through the same stuff. So it's good and it's sort of bittersweet. Few people have asked me to write a book in the past and I've had, you know, the three things that I thought was, you know, who am I to think that I deserve a book? The second thing was that I didn't want people to realise what a f*** up I've been. And the third thing was I didn't actually want to face a lot of the truths that I knew about myself as well. Those are the exact main three things I went through. I'm 60 now, it's taken this long to do it. When I finally came around to saying, okay, I can't run from all the stuff in the past, you know, who am I? Can't run from that anymore. That's when I had to do it. Part of that thing about um, who am I to write a book, why I'm not that important. I actually wrote the book for myself, you know. It was sort of like it was cathartic, it was therapy. This is stuff that was inside of me that I had to get out. 
And uh, in the process of doing that, it seemed to free me up a lot. I could feel like a, a weight lifted off my shoulders. So by the end of writing the book, I actually thought, well, you know, it's done exactly what it, should, what it was meant to do. And I could, I could tear it up now and it's all good. It doesn't have to be released. But when I went through the editing process of it, I realized that, you know, like this was the dark sort of realization is that there's a lot of people out there who have been through this stuff just like me or degrees of it. And some people who are out there are still going through it. You know, there's a lot of poverty out there, a lot of violence, a lot of abuse. And I think if I can show a little glimmer of hope, you know, I mean, it did take me, you know, 50 years to get through it. But uh, if I can get through it and see light at the end of the tunnel, then maybe we can shed a bit of light for other people, you know? Totally understand. Because for me as well, I'm a bit of a coward to share a lot of the stuff that I know that people would be able to relate to. But, you know, as you said, you get to a stage where you go, Christ, I'm actually helping people by being able to say, I can do it and you can do it too. Yeah, and the thing was, Phil, you know, I was probably the last person to really sort of, you know, say, hey, listen, I've got a lot, lot of problems because, you know, everybody's been sitting back watching me drink myself to death for 50 years. You know? yeah. That's what it was. It was much more selfish than I'm going to help people. Was, this is really going to help me. And this really did help me. So, uh, you know, it's a, it was a really good thing to get it to get out because these are the things that, you know, we all hold, you know, whether, you know, you've got fears, shame, things that you happen when you're a child out of your control even, but they affect everything you do and they affect the people that you love. They affect your friends, they affect the people who listen to my records. I had a shared responsibility to share this with everybody, you know? And having battled alcohol and drug dependency and having mm. gone through this, you know, as we say, a cathartic thing, did you suddenly realise that you'd been really hard on yourself for a long time? Oh, absolutely. I mean, since I was a child, I've been, I've been running from the shame of, you know, being poor and being hungry and... And, and the shame of seeing my mother and father fight and getting my mum getting belted and all that sort of stuff, that was none of my fault. But it affected me like as if I'd caused the problem, you know? It's a very interesting process. Obviously, I've been seeing a shrink for a few years, so I know a few of these things. One of the big topics in the book, as you know, is domestic violence. It's a scourge, you know? It's really, it's a plague in this country. The only way it can start to sort of change is by at least by shining a light on it and getting the conversation started. It was good to start that conversation. Mate, it's uh, great to talk to you about the book as well. People should read it because you've had such an Interesting life. At the end of the book, I say, you know, like, uh, you know, really, the good thing about life is you can always get a second chance. It might not be perfect, but you can always say sorry and pick yourself up and make yourself a better person. It's That's never it. too late to change it. There's one other thing we should talk about, and that is the release of uh, the Chisel Live Tape Volume Three. What was it about that particular night, June 7, 1980, live at the Manly Vale Hotel, where it all just kind of came together? Well, it's re- it was really the sort of pinnacle of when the band was probably, all, you know, at its hungriest. We'd come, you know, we made our first album we've made a second album we were playing eight nights a week we were on the verge this was uh, done around the same week as we released east so we'd just been in the studio got into the studio with mark opens i had you know revelations about how music was going to sound and how it was going to work for us we were on the edge of and cutting it as we were doing it we were very aggressive it was we i think we were at the height of our classic australian pop team and, and we were doing that eight nights a week and we were sharp as razors it's a really, it's just a really good thing, and especially considering how much about uh, big record East was, you know, for us and for, and for the public. But this is some of these songs that are on this thing. People in a corner of my baby as the sun. Uh, I'll leave it there. Your phone's breaking up. Give yourself a Jimmy. It's an absolute pleasure to talk to you again, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and he's gone. Bloody mobile phones, right? So that's uh, Jimmy Barnes with Cold Chisels live tape series live at the Manly Bell Hotel, nineteen eighty. And that comes out Friday as well, so make sure you pick it up. And have a read of the book, too, because it's a great read. As the years went by and the child grew to maturity, he found himself possessed of amazing physical powers. Now that's a face for radio. And now... The Rubber Room. Triple M.
Listen, I don't want to overcomplicate this, okay? But apparently the plan with more rigorous missions that are going into space could mean the eventual and unfortunate death of an astronaut in space. Now, scientists have said that a rogue corpse could provide the spark for life on another planet. As I said, I don't want to oversimplify this for you because I did a, an astrophysics course at TAFE, so I understand it. Well, actually, it was combined astrophysics and uh, welding. However, Louisiana State University biologist Gary King is on the phone. Again, without oversimplifying stuff, right? Put a body into space, it mates with some spacey stuff, and you get another species of people. Am I right? I wouldn't say that you've oversimplified it because anything that enters any kind of a spacecraft dies and then is jettisoned or whatever is carrying a lot of microbes inside and outside. The real question is what's going to happen to those microbes? Many of them we know to begin with are just not going to survive. There are others though, especially some of the microbes that live on the surface of our skin that could be more tolerant of some of those conditions. It's conceivable that some small fraction of the many hundreds of millions of microbes associated with an individual could enter a survival state. The problem, of course, for humans or anything else is that when you're not shielded, you're getting zapped by radiation that causes mutation. But then where are you going to end up? What is the probability that a corpse buried in space would find its way to a habitable environment? Could you include Mars in that equation? Well, Mars is really, really interesting. Primarily because we know that there is some liquid water at the surface of Mars. Whether or not it could host microbial life is an open question. It's possible. NASA has spent a great deal of effort dealing with pooping and peeing in space. Well, you know what? I'm looking forward to maybe 20 years' time, Gary, us getting back in touch and talking about the evolution of the Martian poo man. Again, I've probably <laughs> oversimplified it. But. There's certainly that possibility. If we terraform the planet so that it becomes habitable, then without any question, life evolves. Wow. Somewhere in a forgotten room, a brilliant idea laid gathering dust. What's on your mind? A love song? A message for that special someone? That's why we're here. The Rubber Room. Triple M. Kingswood are back. They've been recording in Nashville. They're our rubber band tonight, and they're here in the studio. It's not a Dagwood or a Holland Hood. Forget my manhood. Oh, I wish I could. Hell, these guys should. Cause they're Kingswood. Yeah, it's Kingswood. This is Kingswood. Welcome back. I can't believe it's been two years since Microscopic Wars. It does not feel like two years and it doesn't feel like... I can't remember the last time we were here because I remember we went out afterwards. Mm, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, and yeah. that was a long time ago. It was a while ago. So I saw the video. I liked it. I thought it was great. It's a different sound from what I expected from you. Quite grungy, sort of low rock feel to the track as well, actually. What's low rock? More lo-fi. It's less distortion-y than grunge. Interestingly, you say that because as much as it is lo-fi, the intention behind the Sonics was supremely hi-fi, oh, whilst okay. maintaining a low fi feel. Wow, so it's mid-fi. It's mid-fi. 
<laughs> to be made popular by a band called Kingswood. So you were over in Nashville. Didn't you do the last album in Nashville? We did. Well? We, yeah, have, we so. have quite an affinity with that place yeah, as far as creating music there. And you were saying before you just got back from Canada. Good chance to road test the new material. Though. Yeah, we did. And it kind of any material because we're just an anomaly over there. Right. And the fact that we would announce that we were Australian at the end of our first song, everyone would just be like, what? What are you doing here so far away, for, particularly from Melbourne? Yeah. And this one guy is like, your singer is very uh, steep. And I was like, he sings steep. And I was like, do you mean high? he sings high? Yeah. He's like, yes, yes, high. Well, no, like, hang on, there's another new genre to go with mid-five. Steeper. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's angular. ACDC tour, how was that? Oh, feel out of control. Watch it, the mechanics it, in action, I guess. The mechanics in action. The mechanics are the, probably the most impressive part. It's like a moving city that has 200 inhabitants that all do amazing, wonderful things. All wearing black t-shirts and over the age of 60. Yeah. Strangely and enough. Have, and have the best stories you've ever heard. <laughs> and smell of tobacco, you know. <laughs> Now, I'm led to believe the album will be out in February. We've got a tour before that, because you're not telling anybody the name of the album. Not yet. Is it called Japanese Wallpaper? Uh, Am I close? I, I feel like that's an, that's the name of an artist. I think it's the name of a band as well. It's just when yeah. I saw you were in a Japanese restaurant and you needed a name of an album. Funnily enough, all our business decisions are made in Japanese restaurants, okay. and it has somehow infiltrated our new merch line, which is Japanese inspired. Wow, okay. So, so maybe you're not that far off the mark, Phil. So the new album, Sushi Time. <laughs> it's just called- <laughs> Whatever, right? And February. And, of course, you're touring again. You've got another tour coming up, haven't you? There'll be a big tour to follow in the lure of the album. Good to see you again, man. I'm looking forward to hearing Creepin' for the first time uh, live. And, uh, you know, I saw this, the video. I thought that was great, so I'm really looking forward to this. Awesome. Thanks, Phil. We're excited to get down the road. and We're excited to be back, you know? Yeah, good. To be play, playing music. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, it's good to see you back. Thanks, awesome. man. Thanks, Phil. I don't know if you know, new Harry Potter movie, but it's not actually a Harry Potter movie per se. J.K. Rowling said this comes before. Harry Potter. So it's just another way, I guess, of making some cash, right? Called Fantastic Beasts. Right. And it'll be a f- big film for Harry Potter fans. So that's one part of the music uh, of the movie news. And the other part is that Clint Eastwood said he may revive his character of Dirty Harry. Right. Would, would be kind of weird because uh, Clint Eastwood must be about 80 years of age now. Yeah. So I'm more like Grandma Harry, to be you know, honest with you. Yeah, or probably still Granddad, though. But anyway, last night while I was lying in bed and... Uh, what did I say? Grandma. Oh, sorry, I can't find it, just Grandpa. So anyway, as I was lying in bed last night, unable to sleep, uh, I thought to myself, well, maybe you could kill two birds with one stone, right? So follow me here. Maybe you could have, like, a Harry Potter movie with Clint Eastwood in it as Dirty Harry, right? Right. And you could call the movie Dirty Harry Potter. Oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, what do you think about that, Dirty Harry Potter? Oh, well, for the past three quarters of an hour, I've been sitting on my ass in your outer office. Mind you. Yeah, sorry about that. Now, Dirty Harry Potter, tell us what's the best way to ride a broomstick? Stick it in your ass. Put on your Gryffindor colours to play Quidditch. Would that be all right? Damn. I gotta put all that shit back on. Hey, I got this great Harry Potter joke, yeah, the one about the quaffle and the broomstick, and have you heard it? Oh, and if you start to tell me now, I'm going to come across that desk and rip your throat out with my bare hands. Now listen, did you discuss the possibility with J.K. Rowling that in her next book, she may kill you off? If I get killed, you'll never get your hands on all that beautiful money. Well, dirty Harry Potter, let me ask you about future Harry Potter projects. I mean, you've had Hermione and Ron as partners for a while. Have you thought about, you know... Maybe taking on someone new. I haven't got any time to break in any newcomers. You know what happens to the guys that I've worked with. Dietrich's still in the hospital with a bullet in his gut and Fanducci's dead. So if I need a partner, I'll get me someone who knows what the hell he's doing. Are you familiar with the secret code of wizards? No spitting, pissing, farting or picking your ass. And how many more um, Harry Potter books do you uh, foresee in the near future? Sixteen. 
All right, 16, yeah. 17. Oh, 17. Okay, sure. 22. Eight, what? 22. 22? 27. When you get the next book out, pop back in. You're always welcome, dirty Harry Potter. I don't want to say goodbye right now. No, you should go. We don't have to make that decision. No, we should do it now. Maybe you'll change your mind. Maybe we'll see each other and you'll change your mind. Not likely, but if we do, I tell you what, you and I will, will rendezvous. You have a rendezvous with my ass, motherfucker. We may find this a bit disturbing. He held me. Go! No.